Hey everyone, welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices. Those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Greg. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I was How you doing? just standing. I'm good. I was just standing here realizing, oh, we don't have a check-in question. Thought it might be fun oh, to goodness. do something besides capacity. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, well, maybe you know we're we're by the time this airs, we will be um, a little bit into the new year. Mm-hmm. You know, but maybe where's where we start is how are you finding yourself? Um, in this season. So it's no, even though we're re- recording this prior to the new year, mm. uh, you know, how are you finding yourself in this season? That's a good question. I'll, I'll take it. I accept. Um, I'm feeling good in this season. I'm energized by what we're working on together, Greg. And, and um, that feels really good. And coming into a kind of, I don't know, new, clarity and new mm, commitment to what I feel I Mm want to be up to in the world Mm -hmm. with you on my own, just really being with people in healing and liberation, just Mm. that feels really energizing. So Mm. it's hard work I'm in for, for darn sure. Mm. Um, So yeah, good question. And I feel pretty, pretty good capacity for recovering from a cold. So yeah. you might, you might hear that actually in the recording, some cold lingering, but I'm ready. How yeah. about you? How are you in this season? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would say much the same. I'm feeling like this is a, a very rich period. Uh, it's feeling like a, a time of a lot of, um, yeah, excitement and and um, creativity. I've just been really, mm. really um, been enjoying it and been recognizing the the how it how it's in, like a tension with the the challenges that we've that we're working with here, right? Because the, the conversations we're having are not necessarily easy. Conversations we're having with guests, like last week, our colleague and friend N, not necessarily easy to engage in, um, and they're incredibly powerful. And so I'm, I'm feeling this kind of like excitement that feels, I feel trepidatious about because it feels Mm -hmm. a little bit strange, but you know, there's, there's so much about it that feels like the potential in it is feeling really good. And so I'm, I'm very excited about what's unfolding here in the next, you know, weeks and months and years. And, um, and I'm also recognizing that it, it points to the, the amount of work we have to do together and, you know, collectively. Yes. Know, so, yeah. Yeah. I can feel, I can feel the, I can feel that. <laughs> so, 
it's like yeah. a long, a long way to go. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And so, and I'm, and I'm glad you're feeling better and, you know, wishing that you wish out, you know, wishing you wellness and, you know, hopefully you continue to feel better. I, I know you will. And I'm yeah. glad that we were able to still find time and that you still have energy to follow up on this. Cause it was just uh, last week that we had our conversation with N and thought it would be a good thing to follow up on and connect about. Cause there was so much richness in what she had to say. Um, mm-hmm. And so much that there is to, to connect on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There was so many layers. I think we said that quite a few times in the podcast itself. So to be able to circle back and talk about those together and, and invite the listeners in to, to talk with themselves and those in their lives about, about the layers and what they're thinking about now and feeling now and what did, what got brought up for them. So uh, we were talking a bit before we got started here. I'm curious if you had a place in mind to start, Greg, or not. I was going to ask you the same exact thing. Um, I think um, it's a good question because there's a, there's so many different directions that um, that you know. I, I guess maybe what I would where I would start is is in some ways where in where we did start, which is to, with, with her, which is around that notion of safety and around the, you know, she was sharing with us prior to recording how nervous she was feeling. And so we engaged in a conversation with her about, do you want to put your name on this? Should we do this? Do you want to do this anonymously? And she ended up choosing to do it anonymously for now uh, with the, yeah, I think with some desires for something different in the future, but yeah, the recognition of the potential for, what engaging in these conversations can have in, in her life. And she wanted to be able to be as open as possible. And I found myself sitting with that, especially as a white man, there's, there's not a lot of spaces that I've encountered where I didn't feel like I could be honest. There are some, I think, uh, you know, but usually that's a, it's in a pretty toxic um, work environment where I've, where I've felt that kind of pressure. Uh, And, but it's, the 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 degree to which she was you know experiencing that i think is yes. something to that i want to i feel like is important to name and highlight and, and kind of center and and you know for our listeners to really hold in consideration of what does it mean to have to uh, protect ourselves that way so that we can be uh, as open and forthright about something as important as what it was she had to say yeah yeah, I mean, I think of the just the emotional burden of, you know, and Anne had mentioned that that's something that she walks around with is that yeah. kind of constant assessment. Um, and, you know, where is it going to impact her ability to, you know, continue to grow in the organization? And how is she seen in terms of a competent leader and, you know, all sorts of, mm-hmm. all sorts of double standards and triple standards and just a lot of, there's just a lot of layers there. So yeah, I really, and you know, it wasn't nervousness particularly. I mean, we I think still get nervous podcasting and being like, oh my God, there are people listening. 
but just that nervousness of, of the repercussions, right? The repercussions mm-hmm. of speaking honestly about her experience and what that can cost her. Um, um, and, you know, knowing a bit about her journey, you know, how that's changed too um, over time. And so this is a, I think just also noticing that, I mean, of course it changes for all of us, depending on what company we're in or what team we're on or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, who our boss is, um, you know, but just, just noting that too of, of really having to, to track that. So, which kind of leads me into the, the next thing, unless you had any more thoughts on no, no, the safety, which is tracking, you know, and mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, that idea yeah of, you know, some of those layers, what we're referring to is, you know, how much tracking and has to do about things and, mm-hmm. and people of color. And by tracking, it's like, what are the things that I'm paying attention to that I'm mm-hmm. noticing that I'm on, that I'm potentially on guard against or just prepared for. So noticing someone's, you know, what's my relationship with them you know, what do I know about their personality? Is that someone who's going to get mad? Are they going to listen? You know, do we have someone who's going to cry? Do we have someone that's going to get angry? Do we have, you know, so just all of the, the tracking and the paying attention, um, you know, just really reminded of conversations that we've had with Aaron and Portia and Jenny and Dylan from holistic resistance of that huge mm-hmm. calorie load, um, calorie burn, you know, and burden mm-hmm. of, really having to be really aware of who's in the room and what does that mean for me? And mm-hmm. so I'll stop there and see what. Well, I, I, what I remember is she was one of the things Anne was saying was, you know, I'm always employing like eight different strategies at all times, you know? Right. Like, so it's like the tracking plus the, the, um, the, the need to, like recognize where do I need to now speak louder or less or, you know, how am I dressing for, for today? So as to meet some level of expectation, uh, you know, and we, we were talking a little bit before the, uh, the, the, before we recorded about the idea of executive presence, you know, and what is that, you know, what are the beliefs that we hold collectively and culturally, you know, and, and that we've been conditioned into around what that means yeah. and whether or not, you know, and, and I think, you know, there's a lot of ways in which I think we could make the argument that lots of us have to try to position ourselves because of organizational culture. And we're trying to like be strategic so that we can figure out right. how we can climb that ladder. That's and true. I think, you know, there's a and- truth in it. I, I mean, I, I would, I would also challenge that, that, truth is just a base norm as opposed to not being something that's a part of white supremacy culture or in patriarchal culture and this kind of like dominance culture, because if we were actually living in a, in a world there where there was, you know, greater freedom and we were, everybody was kind of liberated from these kinds of oppressive systems. I don't think we would have to be strategic in that way. I don't think it's just kind of like the way it is, as we've talked about before, well, that's just the way it is. Well, the way it is maybe is actually more harmful <laughs> than we would like to admit. And for someone like N who's coming into 
an organization in a positionality that has all kinds of stereotypes labeled. And she was talking about the, you know, wanting to um, get rid of this label of the, um, the model minority, right. Of, right. Of, you know, being a, a showing up in a certain way. That's like, see, <laughs> some minorities can be good. Why don't we all be like this um, is actually like the, 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 the um, the amount of, the amount of racism embedded in that is staggering, you know, and, and it's something that can subtly live in the, in the systems we're in and can live subtly in us. And, you know, how we think of what executive presence looks like can be one of those things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, so paying attention to how it lives in me, you know, what are my stories about, you know, in this case, we're talking about Asian women or, you know, the model minority Asian men and you know, just being aware of that in myself um, and also seeing where it can live in systems where I'm a facilitator. I was sharing with you, you know, I was in a system where I was working <clears throat> with like one large, one large division. And it was the third team that myself and a colleague had been, mm-hmm. um, you know, the HR person had referred them to work, work with us as their team coaches, you know, and it was not lost on me that that was the third Asian woman team leader who had been referred for performance issues to be a better team leader, you know, and they had all mentioned that they had been told they needed to have better executive presence and, you know, Mm. drive more results and, Mm. I wasn't in a position at that time to, you know, raise it, um, you know, as a pattern, but also just noticing how, how that lives, what's, what's in us, um, you know, lives in then in our, in our systems and like even circling back to what you're saying, Greg, about our dominant culture and what it means to, you know, look successful or be a good leader or, you know, those things that are white supremacist, norms, you know, which have in it also patriarchy. And so all, all of that. So just really, I don't know if I would have noticed that honestly. Mm. I mean, I feel ridiculous saying that. Um, Mm. but I think before I was tracking all these different layers in any meaningful way, you know, I, I don't know. So that, you know, then that goes into my, my own internal work of, you know, well, why not? You know, why mm. wouldn't I have noticed that? Why wouldn't I be tracking that? Um, mm-hmm. So that there's just, I think, I think there's just a, a lot there. I think I'll stop there for now. I had like another layer to go into on that, but I'll see what's coming up for you as you listen to that. Kind of how the internal becomes institutional, becomes systemic. Well, yeah. So now you're you're coming back to the the four levels of racism, which, you know, I think we broached a little bit in an episode with Adam. He's where we've really, he was the Adam Slade who we talked to in episode four or five, something like that. We're doing enough of these now that it's starting to to feel like a long time ago, you know? Yes. Um, And, but he's who we, you know, we really learned about this approach to looking at this stuff from, which is, the four levels being internal, like, so internalized racism, how does it live in me? 
um, intrapersonal being, how does it live between us? And, and I think this is one of he, he, he points to like, this is what we tend to think of when we think, when we think about racism is like somebody who, you know, um, attacks somebody or calls them, you know, a racial slur or says something, you know, about other people. Um, we tend to think of that piece and the, you know, this is the interpersonal. And then there's the institutional, right? So like how are things encoded either in policy or in norms? So like, how do you dress? You know, how do you do your hair? How are you allowed to do your hair? I know there's plenty of organizations that have policies around that sort of a thing that make, make it so you can't, for example, have cornrows or something like that. It's like a very clearly cultural, um, ethnically and racially, you know. Well, and who's a good team biased. leader and who's not and... Right. And like, what are the, yeah, what like education that you need to have for certain roles and certain things like that? Um, you know, and how do things get institutionally you know, made policy, whether that's explicit policy or implicit policy? And then systemic you know, or structural being the inner, inner, um, and this is the trickiest one, I think. And even Adam has said it's the trickiest one, like the way these different institutions actually work together to create a, um, to, to create a culture and a society that, you know, keeps people of color in, in one place and allows white body folks to experience things differently. And those right. four levels, um, are kind of interplaying all the time. And, and, you know, as facilitators, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's not hard to find stuff to look at the systemic and the institutional stuff. Like there's great podcasts out there, um, seeing white is one that comes to mind. You know, there's books to read, whether it's Robin D'Angelo's books or Ijeoma Lua's books or uh, Resma's books. Leila Saad, so, I always think of her. It's like actually right in front, as, in front of me as we talk because it's so, I think if you're a practitioner looking for what does this look like, you know, she lists behaviors and you can go in and you're like, oh, I do that one and that one and that one. Right. And those are, and those, and like, we're, those are starting to get in the books. So like um, the uh, me and white supremacy, um, even in Gioma's book. Um, so you want to talk about race. Yeah. Uh, Resmo's book are starting to talk about the, the first two levels, right. Of the interpersonal and the intrapersonal or the, the internalized and the interpersonal, right. you know, right. how does this live between us? And then how does this live in me? Um, and those, those conversations seem to be um, the, they're, we're having them more, we're seeing them more. Uh, and they're not necessarily the things that um, we gravitate towards because they're a little trickier. They're a little harder uh, to be, you know, to be in play with. And um, yeah. And so I think the, the different, you know, the different layers, I'm curious to hear how, like, where, you, you know, where you would take that, you know, you said you had a different, a deeper layer, a deeper cut to take it. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was thinking about, you know, conversations, especially with Aaron and Portia, <clears throat> Portia in particular from Holistic Resistance, you know, where she has done a specific kind of workshop series called, you know, Can You Hear Me? Um, and, you know, it was, can you hear me? Can you feel me? Can you see me? Can you hold me? Mm. Not necessarily in that order, but just, you know, being asked to consider, can, can I really hear her, you know, as a, as a 
black woman? And what is my conditioning? Like, what are my stories about from my childhood about, you know, black women or, or who's, who, who, uh, who should I listen to? Um, Mm -hmm. and why, and who's credible and who's not. And I was thinking about that when, and was sharing some of her story and experience of the feedback that she received Mm -hmm. from people across the week of, you know, being too direct or, you know, being surprised that she was actually as old as she was and she had that kind of presence. And so it just really took me into that question of, as a practitioner being aware, I guess, of my, my bias and my story and my belief, like who can I hear, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. back through facilitations of the voices that I, that I, that I privilege Mm -hmm. um, for various reasons. And, you know, the, the practice I think I've appreciated is thinking about the positionality practice, right? Like, and it's uncomfortable and awkward. And even to, to say this in the, in the podcast, you know, but like imagining a time when, you know, I couldn't, you know, I said something about somebody, you know, maybe you and me debriefing and it could have been a person of color. And then the stop and the slowdown of like, would I have said that about Tom, the white guy or, you know, Sally, Mm -hmm. the white woman or a different positionality and feeling catches in myself where I'm like, yeah, I would have held that. I would have held that differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and just needing to be honest and then curious about, well, you know, why is that? Yeah. So just just thinking about how much I've needed to slow myself down and notice the things that I say, sort of that you and I've talked about, like, oh, well, that's just the way it is, you know, oh, where that person's just, you know, quieter and so blah, blah. But I, I need to interrupt all of that. And it's not mm-hmm. just the way it is. It is that way for a very specific reason. And it lives in me in a very specific way. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it may very well be that somebody's showing up in the room in a certain way, because they're employing a strategy that they, that they utilize to, to maintain either a safety, or that they believe will help them navigate the conversation that they're kind of, they kind of have to be in right now, because we're, they're in this room, this is the meeting that they're in. Right. And and it makes it makes me wonder, like you know, and I don't, I don't know, I have, I have zero answers for this, <laughs> but right. like, what are the what are the strategies that we can employ um, to help signal, right? That you know, either that you can like we can open this up a little bit, and that there is space to be heard here, or signal we get it, and I'm like, I'm not gonna because we one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was like different approaches to facilitating that we use a lot to try to get voices in the room and make sure everybody gets heard. And, you know, so we use the go around, for example, right. And you, you know, everybody gets a chance to say something. Maybe the facilitator responds to the things people are, are speaking to, but that doesn't necessarily take into account the fact that somebody may be employing a strategy to protect themselves or to like thinking they're thinking about the fact that in three weeks, they have a project that's due that's going to potentially position them for a promotion that if they say something in this meeting could actually derail that because th- so they're, they're actually, they're actually holding this kind of like, like, like N was saying in the meeting, you know, like carrying like eight levels of eight strategies in order to, to navigate this experience. 
they're playing this kind of multi-dimensional game. So I wonder about I wonder about like what are the ways in which we can be aware of that? What are the way, what are the ways I can be aware of that and um, and utilize my position to actually like help that person understand that that's I get it. And hopefully reducing a little bit of the tension in and with them so that maybe they're not going to say the thing that they would want to say because that would still have the impact, you know, three weeks from now, but can support the, um, uh, the, the level of, of labor and emotional labor that's going, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but it's, it's just a question that's alive in me. Yeah. I appreciate that. Let me see if I'm, let me see if I'm following. I mean, what I what I think I hear you saying, Greg, is that, you know, is there a way that, you know, through your facilitation approach or your practice or how how you engage with somebody or or set the tone in a room that there's a way that perhaps that that person could experience a little less anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, because it's clear that we're we're at least now tracking, you know, mm-hmm. something that that we don't usually have to track as facilitators, you know, mm-hmm. and, or mm-hmm. have been blind to tracking. So now we're aware of the eight strategies that, you know, N is having to carry and employ. And it doesn't mean that's always happening. You know, people of color are not a monolith, but that that could be going on for that person. And how mm-hmm. do we use that awareness to try and make that space a little less anxiety producing? Mm-hmm. Is that it's, which am I, am I getting, am I following you? A hundred percent. And it's also, as you're speaking to this, it's got me thinking about a couple of things. One is, is like, what are the ways in which, what are the ways in which essentialism lives in me? Meaning like, meaning essentially like, you know, I'm, I'm casting this, this kind of monoculture upon all people of color and saying like, Oh, this must be true for you. You know? And then what are the ways in which I'm centering myself and my need to like be something that fixes something. So those things are, those things are, are stirring in me right now as you're, as you're mm-hmm. talking and, and making me feel uncomfortable <laughs> in sharing yeah. all of this. And, and I feel like I'm like, and I feel like there's, there, there are questions here that are, cause you know, coming back to the, you know, to actually an episode we released uh, prior to our taking a little break, you know, this question of like, what is our role in the room? Um, and mm-hmm. You know, and if our, it, it seems like part of our role is to A, to center what needs to be centered or, and, and, and to center those who are not off, often centered or generally centered, um, get their voices, you know, to create the space for those voices, but also to, um, to do what we can to actually, um, to reduce, to reduce these things. So I'm, 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 I'm not entirely, I have no idea as to what that looks like in the end, but it just feels like something that needs to stir for some time. Yeah. I so appreciate you like naming your discomfort there and feeling like, I think what you and I've talked about, it's like, it's so easy for us to center ourselves, you know, and we don't want to center ourselves as like the woke facilitator, you know, virtue signaling and, you know, it's not our responsibility. So, you know, I can feel that in myself and I'm glad you named that. And Mm -hmm. I, as something as you were talking that occurred to me too, is it's feeling very heady, what we're talking about, you know, strategies Mm -hmm. and practices and approaches. And I just find myself going like relationship you know, like relationship, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and back to the question that 
I hear Portia asking me all the time, like, before you act, what's your motivation? Mm. You know, and so my motivation is relationship and care and creating this space and trying to share the burden, you know, not caretake. So it gets really tangly in here, but Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to take us out of like strategies and approaches and practices to like relationships and people and care and Mm -hmm. seeing people and hearing people and holding people. Mm -hmm. And often that's, it's the simple, but not easy, Mm -hmm. you know, thing. That and that requires us actually slowing ourselves down enough to recognize that we actually are seeing people a certain way, right? And we yes. are conditioned to. And and you know, I come, I think back to, you know, I, unfortunately, you weren't able to to join Aaron and I uh, in that conversation a few weeks ago. You know, where he introduced the the unfair question. Um, that he asks and he asked us, you know, a few years ago and asks all the time of, you know, what is your ideal, what is your ideal black person or what is your ideal person of color? And the, the, the recognition that part of the, part of the thing that's challenging about that question is that there is an ideal that lives in us, you know, and there's a, there's a question that, you know, we talked about earlier that Portia brings that I think we're hopefully going to have her on here soon to explore this a little bit more deeply, but you know, the, the question of who set the value, you know, and so like who set the value of people of color for you in your, in your world, in your life and your family. And that's the reality is that the, the uncomfortable truth of it is, is that we do, there is value placed, you know, that lives yes. in us. There is ideal that lives in us. And, and if we're not aware of that. And I think, I don't think I'm anywhere near done asking myself those questions because no, I know every time I actually get into them, I, I'm like, I, I want to just curl up in a little ball and my stomach, even now just talking about it, I can feel my stomach is, you know, is, um, it's clenching and, and, and really doesn't want me to go too far into this, but you know, you're, you're pointing to the relationship piece and wanting to bring us back to actually, how are we connected? We can't, we can't ignore the fact that there is, um, there is a way in which we're seeing one another through these lenses and right. there, you know, they're not our fault that they, that they, that they exist, you know, but I forget who it was. I was talking about this recently, the idea of it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And your responsibility, your responsibility. That's, that's it. Yeah. It is your fault, but it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so it's like the responsibility of recognizing, Oh, I have, I actually, and there's a part of me that can get drawn in. Like, and I, I've seen more and more of myself. Like, oh, I can actually. There's a certain kind of person, just in general, that like I get attracted to in a in a in a facilitation that can like, oh, like I'm we're gonna jive and I'm gonna feel really good about this experience, even though it doesn't necessarily include everybody. Yeah. And there's a way in which when we bring race into the mix, it it that gets amplified even more and becomes potentially more harmful. So important. Everything you just said, I think that last part, 
I think helps name a tricky thing, you know, where it's like, oh, but isn't that I just have preferences for certain people or certain personality types or certain ways of being, you know, and it's like, yes, and know that and know who makes mm-hmm. you comfortable and who makes you uncomfortable on that level, on that layer. Mm-hmm. And then when you add the layer, you know, of, of race uh, on top of it, what changes, you okay. know, and as you said, like I'm s- every, yeah, nowhere near done understanding how that changes for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I, one thing I'd like to take us into maybe just to keep underscoring like how this, how this, how these things can show up in our facilitation is that one example that just was so in my body of being in a, an engagement with a team of coaches and um, it was an online engagement and there were, uh, you know, 24 managers attending and we did a, we did a role play with a white woman and a black man. And it it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. Hmm. Um, you know, kind of in a positionality standpoint and the nature of the feedback and some things there that I think, you know, I personally do think were, were problematic. Um, but what was, what happened in that is while that role play was unfolding, someone in the chat, um, who was a, a woman of color said, I'm having a really hard time watching this engagement. And, um, you know, the, note came into the larger main room chat where we all were saying, we'll talk about it in our small group breakouts or something like that. But it effectively like kiboshed the opportunity for anyone else to chime into that thread. I was curious if nothing had been said by a facilitator in the room, what else would have Mm -hmm. unfolded in that chat. But, but anyway, um, and so I happened to be with the person in that room and I know they were, they were, you know, calm and clear eyed. And it's interesting, you know, that I even have to, I'm not saying that by way of, um, you know, against norms, like because she was behaving that way. But the end of the story here is, is when we got back and we were debriefing as coaches, you know, a coach was like, well, clearly she was triggered. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, hold on a second. Like, no, in fact, they were in my room and they were not triggered. So interesting that that's the assumption, um, you know, that was made and then, you know, kind of on like, so what if they were triggered, you know? So it was just interesting how that was the initial response and there was very little curiosity. And so that seemed like a hall pass for dismissing the concern and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that story keeps unfolding, but that initial moment, right, of where uh, that whatever was living in that facilitator um, who is actually, now that I think about it, the person to kind of sh- what I experienced is close the main room chat. Um, mm. It was also the same person that made that comment. So it just makes me curious, like what lives in her around race around a woman of color around, you know, so it was just, I was like, huh. So where we need to be aware of our own, you know, inner, inner racism story belief, you know, it's all intertwined anyway. It's not like one or the other to slow that down and really, you know, be aware. So I just offer that by way of like, that's how that stuff comes to be, you know? 
Totally. And I think, you know, the, the, the ignoring because what ends up happening, I think a lot is, and I think, I think I feel like Adam talked about this when we were doing some stuff with him around the four, those four levels of racism is, is we dismiss the idea of the internal, like internalized racism. Mm -hmm. We dismiss as white bodied folks because it's like we consider, you know, one of the things in our, in our general culture is right. The worst, one of the worst things you can be in our culture is to be a racist. Right. And like, mm -hmm. when we say that, we think about like a guy in a clan robe, you know, shaved head and a you know Nazi, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit more and more like be, you know, more mainstream these days. But like, but like, you know, I think historically, or at least in, the, in our lifetimes, it's been kind of like a very particular kind of person that we can sit classify in that way as quote unquote racist. And what in the, that four those four levels are saying is that as white bodied folks, we cannot have not been um, indoctrinated into a culture of white supremacy and racism. And therefore this stuff lives in us in some way or shape, in way, shape or form, regardless of what we, what we consciously believe about ourselves. Right. And to dismiss that is to, in, in, in some ways, you know, what you're describing with that colleague is somebody who's doing that, right. They're saying like that person's triggered. They're being, you know, like you said, it's a hall pass to dismiss them. Therefore, we're not going to talk about these things. And therefore I don't actually have to ever explore whether or not this stuff lives in me. Right. I don't ever have to actually ask the question, what's my ideal Right. Did I, did I shut down that conversation because, you know, because of who made the comment? What if, what if, what if a white woman had made that comment? Would that have been the same? Would she right. have been triggered? What if a right. white man had said that? Would he have been triggered? Right. Um, you know, yeah. so not, yeah, I, I don't mean that as a, well, that's not true. I'm not going to even couch that. I was going to say, I don't mean that as a criticism of my colleague. I, in fact, do mean that as a criticism of my colleague. I think that's exactly why we do this podcast. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, we're back to the, it's not your fault. It's your responsibility, you know, and I, I, I saw right. responsibility um, waived, um, yeah. you know, by, by quite a few people. And so I just, yeah, it's pisses me off, frankly, but I also yeah, need to watch my own judgment of, you know, and have compassion for the discomfort that this work causes. I think, you know, and I, th I mean, this is, I mean, and I, I think we should probably consider wrap starting to here. wrap here pretty soon. But yeah. one of the, th the one of the things that comes to mind for me is, is the amount of compassion that people of color have been historically <laughs> expected to have for white bodied folks, right. And to, to yeah, care for us, you know, and like, and in some ways it's like, I, I, I'd like to be the one that, you know, to, to take that on, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I, I can, I can hold a, I can hold compassion uh, for that colleague of yours. I can, I mean, certainly hold some boundaries around harm and, and all of that and wanting to, to cut that off and like wanting to invite people into conversations. It's one of the things that I've been trying to figure out for myself. Cause I know that there's a way in which, you know this about me, Shannon, like I can get kind right. of some ideas in my head and I can get, I can shut things down pretty quickly, but I want to become somebody who's more open to being in conversations with people who don't see right. this stuff in themselves, not so as to shame them or to like point fingers and shut them down and cancel them, but to right. actually invite them into the conversation. Because I think that the more we can do that, the, the, 
you know, and you know, th- anyways, that's, that, that's a, it's maybe in some ways a whole other conversation, but when you're yep. saying that, what it makes me think of is maybe part of, not maybe part of our job as white bodied facilitators is to um, take on that compassion responsibility and, and create a little bit more, um, you know, uh, uh, possibility for, um, you know, for that to be removed from, the, from folks who, who've spent way, 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 way too much energy having to navigate that, you know, that, that being people of color. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. And it's definitely been a growth edge for me lately. And it was particularly in that situation to be able to, to do that, you know, so like back to, you know, what N is pointing to of the, of, you know, the strategies that, you know, she needs to employ to, to keep herself, to keep herself safe and, you know, in good standing and the toll that that Mm -hmm. takes as you're pointing to here on, you know, her well-being and, and all of that. So I, yeah, it just feels important to, to circle back to, you know, us, us being in community around this work and, and asking Mm -hmm. ourselves these questions and being uncomfortable and, um, you know, continuing to disrupt our practice in all the ways that we can think of and not think of. (laughs) Well, this is such a great pivot because actually I can think of a way. And, and that is, and there, that is, we actually are holding some workshops starting on February 6th, I believe is the first one. We're doing four workshops and you can come to one or all of them. There's a discount if you, if you choose to come to all of them and each of them will be, um, an opportunity to wrestle with, um, some of this, two of the workshops, uh, workshop on positionality and a workshop on trauma stories is going to be co-facilitated with Aaron Johnson from holistic resistance, who you heard a couple episodes back. And And those track just directly to this podcast in particular, we've been talking about our positionality and other positionality and what we have internalized within ourselves. So the trauma story and, and they all, intertwine and relate. So yep. that's two with Aaron and the other two. Yeah. Um, there's, I know the fourth one. I can't remember what this, the, the, this, the second workshop is. Um, oh, so okay. Well, up. that's a, uh, yes, I got it. The culture behind the culture. So also related, yes. right. Yes. Is the characteristics of white supremacy. And so how those, you know, are norms that we live in all of us and, you know, even more harshly to people of color. Um, and, you know, how do we, how do we disrupt those things and become aware of, of how they're yep. infiltrated everywhere? Yep. Yes. And then the fourth one is going to be actually a very interesting one. We haven't done any a podcast episode on this one yet. And who knows where, when we will, but we probably will for sure. Um, is uh, we're looking at the, the tools of our trade, right. And, and the ways in which we can, we can unwittingly be perpetrating racism and harm through the very activities that we use in our work. So uh, this is, I'm really super excited about these workshops and um, it's an opportunity for you as the listener to actually dive in and wrestle with these. Um, And in, in community, another way you can do it. um, A second way you can do it is to join our LinkedIn community. And I'm going to make sure that there are links to both the workshops and the LinkedIn community in the show notes. So, um, go and check those things out and, you know, hopefully 
that LinkedIn community will continue to grow and we'll be able to engage in these, um, these conversations in the not necessarily ideal form of text, but better than not being able to engage them at all. <laughs> exactly. It's really good to have that group in a place to hang out and connect and continue to grapple with these questions with one another. And between now and then, uh, I think I would invite folks to go off and notice who they can hear um, and who they listen to and just kind of noticing that story a little bit more with that layer, particularly too, of, of race and positionality. And how does yes. that change? So yes. just a, a simple and important practice. Yes. So yeah, until so, next time. Well, yeah. And please let us know, you know, you can use the, uh, the, the, the LinkedIn group for sure, or you can email us Greg at connectionworks.com or Shannon at connectionworks.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast. If you leave a review, it's super helpful. Thank you for those who have done so. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Bye. Thanks, Shannon. Bye.